Hello and welcome to the Yuha UP podcast. My name is Yuha and no, that is not a stage name. This is a fitness podcast where I try and help you along your fitness journey, often using mobility interventions to help you break through barriers or plateaus you've been struggling with. And if you're like me and believe that improving joint health should be a part of your routine, this is for you. length tension curve why your workouts plateau and why understanding this can help you unlock strength in new ranges and push through what you've been struggling with so what's the definition of the strength length curve so i'll give you like the boring definition first the isometric length tension curve represents a force a muscle is capable of generating while held at a series of discrete lengths which just means At any articulation, whether the elbow, the shoulder, the hips, we are strongest in our mid-ranges and we are weakest in our end ranges when we're either, when an articulation is really short or really long. So it's commonly known that we're already strongest in our mid-range if you've studied physiology, if you've looked into that to any degree, that the further you go into end range, the weaker you'll be. And everybody kind of experiences that to some degree. If you do squats, you kind of get that feeling of like, oh, I feel comfortable in this range. But once you like pass a certain depth, you kind of feel, oh, mm, I don't feel the same comfort level anymore. And it's important to develop strength in the position that you're weak at. Um, So when you're doing a set of anything and fatigue kicks in, what usually happens? The range of motion shortens speed increases we start to compensate at joints around the body part that we're working just to complete the set but this does not work as a long-term recipe for success and it applies for everyone regardless of your goals like if your goals are purely aesthetic you're going into the gym and you're doing bicep curls military presses hamstring curls etc etc train to be stronger to lift whatever weight you're lifting in a full range of motion because training in a full range of motion will give your muscles that more full look and you'll be able to lift a heavier weight through a larger range of motion and when you are stronger and can lift a heavier weight through a full range of motion you prolong the stage in which you plateau at and when you try and build hypertrophy you can just simply lift a bigger weight for those reps and sets you're working and if your goals are more functional then still train in full range of motion because being stronger in those end ranges can give you a competitive edge over most people around you so here are a few benefits that training in end ranges does for you it's not an exhaustive list but just a couple benefits it gives you access to new ranges that otherwise would have felt like uncomfortable so let's take a look at like a bench press for example have you ever looked at people who stall during a bench press most of the time it's when they lower the weight and they try to push it up but during that push they fail and what does the powerlifting community do to combat this the powerlifting community has a really simple way of addressing this they manipulate the range of motion in the bench press in a way that you are only practicing in driving and pushing force into the exact position that you failed they take you in an end range weak position develop strength in that position directly train it 
And then when you go back to your full bench press, you've now increased the range of motion that you have strengthened so they can continue. This is an effective strategy. But why do people even find themselves in this position in the first place? It's largely, not entirely, but it's largely because a lot of people use momentum in the bottom of exercises, or in that case, in the bottom of a bench press. A lot of people don't spend as much time at that bottom. They're more focused on getting the number of, I want to lift this amount of weight for this amount of reps, and they don't really care how they do it. They don't really care how they accomplish it. Um, For example, someone benching 225 pounds for five reps, if one person can do it in 10 seconds and another person takes 25 seconds from a time under tension standpoint, from an adaptation standpoint, those two people are going to get different results. So if you only kind of bounce or use momentum or use speed in those end ranges, you're basically telling your body, eh, I don't really care about getting strong in that position. Just get me strong and, you know, 80% of my range, but that last 20%, 10% short, 10% long, eh, I don't really care too much. So as you get progressively stronger in your mid-ranges, your weak points become even more glaring, and you don't want that. You do not want that. Are you ever going to get to a point where you are as strong in your end ranges as you are in your mid-ranges? No. You'll always be stronger in your mid-ranges, but there is benefit to kind of reducing the severity of the strength like rather than, rather than seeing like a substantial drop off try to reduce that and that can help you uh so there's also benefits for sports specific training so if you look at like any elite athlete in any sport they have often great control in their end ranges so let's use basketball as an example uh that lebron james play in game 7 of the 2016 nba finals against Golden State Warriors, LeBron had a chase down block against Andre Andre Iguodala. LeBron made that possible. I mean, so I'm not trying to say that this was all end range training, and I've never seen his workout, but you can see from his performance that he has strength in these end ranges. You can see that when he runs, he uses full strides. He's not just taking like half mini steps. He's not just like speed walking. He's taking full strides because he understands when you can run with a full stride, you can cover more ground being he's you know uh he was able to jump with max effort which was able to use kind of his hip and his knee create a bit of that like triple extension into that jumping effort and then reach his arms including a scapular protraction as far as he could to reach that block to to block andre Iguodala's layup to make sure that it wasn't a goaltending so being strong and explosive in your end ranges can be the X factor in your own performance. Swimmers also train to become more flexible so they can improve stroke length. And when they improve their stroke length, like how long each stroke is, uh, that can help them pull more water. And pulling more water can help them increase their race time, their race paces. And it also improves kinesthetic awareness. The more control you have in your end ranges, the more like awareness or coordination that you'll have with your body. I'm sure that you've seen videos of people moving in certain ranges and you've tried to do that yourself and you just feel like there isn't that like brain, that like mind-body connection. Like uh, actually a very common example is if you ask someone uh, to plant their feet on the ground, 
keep their four toes on the ground but only lift, only dorsiflex the big toe. Try that a couple times. Some people can do it, but some people, like, their brain has just forgotten what their big toes, what their toes are even supposed to do. And then try to reverse. Keep that big toe planted and see if you can raise your four toes. So many people live their lives, like, just wearing shoes, boots, high heels all the time, that their toes never have to move. So then our body rewires itself to the point where it doesn't have to lay new tissue in a in a in a way that would promote movement at that joint because you haven't told it that that's important and when you don't train a range of motion you lose a range of motion over time so that's an example of how you may lose awareness but if you were to train in your end ranges you can keep awareness and improve coordination in those end ranges of motion because do you expect to move or perform well if your body if you sorry, do you expect to move or perform well if you put your body in a position that it's had zero time ever training in? Probably not. Let's look at the principle of specificity. Once again, it's kind of dry, but the principle of specificity states that sports training should be relevant and appropriate to the sport for which the individual is training in order to produce the desired effect. Essentially, specificity training means that you must perform you must perform the skill to get better at it. And so just know that the next time that you're training, slow down. Think about what you're doing. Be intentional with your training. Are you only training in partial ranges of motion? Are you only becoming strong in those end ranges and remaining weak in others? Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to advocate that we're ever going to be as strong in those end ranges. And I'm not advocating that we train in end ranges with like insane amount of weight. Like I'm not saying that you should go and, you know, just put 225 on a barbell and start training like real end ranges. No, no, you can do a lot of great things training end range with body weight, one pound, two pound, three pounds. You can do it in a safe way. Just remember that you will not become stronger in ranges you don't train accidentally. Be purposeful. Okay.